This is Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. I'm on the phone today with Becca Sheps, the founder of Mortal Kombucha, based in Boulder, Colorado. Hi, Becca. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks a lot for making time to talk. I know you, you're probably pretty busy uh, fermenting that kombucha. Um, <laughs> and and I, I understand there's a number of things I want to ask you about, but, but let's start with the name, because on your website and Instagram, you kind of, I don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek or, or it's actually based on something more serious, but you said it was mortal kombucha it is born out of a desire to live forever. So... Uh, people do talk about kombucha being the tea of immortality. You, you seem to have taken that to another another level. What's what's the story? What what made you uh, f- uh, you know fo- uh, build the brand around the kind of a humorous name in a way, Mortal Kombucha? Yeah, the original it did start out as a, a Mortal Kombat pun. I um I definitely am a child of the '90s, although I was more of a Street Fighter fan. I played a lot of Mortal Kombat as well, and it was just kind of looking at the category and realizing that everyone you know was kind of playing in the same you know like immortal elixir of life kind of place and I just wanted to make a more aggressive kombucha because I kind of saw it as more of a soda energy drink alternative so you know thinking about your rock stars and your mountain dews and thought like mortal kombucha finish it fight death you know that's how you would fight off death and live forever um kind of you know, just, just that mortality aspect is real, but like try to live as long as you can. So it really came from just a desire to do something a little different um, outside of category tropes. Oh, okay, but there, was, there did seem to be a serious note to it because I saw in the bio that you were a pretty athletic uh, college student and so on, and, and but you were diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. So was kombucha an alternative for somebody with that condition to sugary sodas and yeah, absolutely. Um, I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was, or type 1 diabetes when I was 24, I believe, which is pretty late to get type 1. But I, I did, I grew up basically in a, a gluten-free in the 80s and 90s household, um, very healthy mom, and that, you know, definitely was very health conscious. And we never really drank soda any of like that. So when I got diagnosed, it was like, that one maybe one time a year when I would have a Coke, that was now definitely off the table. And then I was an athlete, so fueling and watching that, I, I did weight-based sports because I did a lightweight rowing, and then I was racing bikes a lot. So you're really conscious of what you're putting in your body. This was just a healthy, flavorful alternative to diet sodas when you're like looking for that flavor kick, and it was definitely a lot healthier. So yeah. I was drinking a lot of it, yeah. Oh, it's no interesting. Pleasure, you, it's interesting. You mentioned bike racing. I, uh, I used to follow that a lot. And uh, I know Boulder, where you're based, is quite a center, isn't it? Because you've got the mountains to train in. And uh, yeah. So were you competitive as a as a cyclist? Yeah, I was actually a Cat One slash Pro bike racer. I actually, when I moved to Boulder, is when I basically quit racing or retired, as some people say. But I quit. Um, so it's kind of funny. I moved, I was bike racing when I lived in New York city and I moved out here for a job. The job was very intense and that's kind of when I decided to not race anymore. Um, when I moved to cycling Mecca, but my husband or just retired, but he was a, like a elite pro like world, world class athlete as well. Cyclist. Oh, was he like in the tour de France and things like that? No, he raced on the track. So he, um, 
yeah, so he was more of a velodrome racer, and then domestically he raced crits and stuff. But he had raced, yeah, in Europe and stuff on the road as well. Cool. Okay, so so how? Tell me about the origins of your kombucha journey. Then, I mean, were you, were you, did you start brewing at home like many people, and then switch to a commercial? Uh, well, well I, uh, yeah. So I definitely I'm like barely a cook or a, anything food related, but I worked in advertising as a creative director for oh, well over a decade. And at the time, I was drinking a lot of kombucha because you can kind of max out on coffee at some point, and you need something else. And we were working on a packaging re or design and launch for a, a big dessert brand. And this specific dessert that they were launching really wanted to say good for you. But there are some kind of FDA laws around using that kind of language if something has too much sugar. So we were just going back and forth with a legal team of this giant food company trying to figure out how to get say good for you on their packaging. And at the time, I was drinking a kombucha. And I'm holding it in my hand, and I'm thinking, like, well, this thing's good for me. What does it say? And I was looking at it, and this kind of goes back to that aggressive story, is I saw that in the ingredients, it said it was made with the normal things like water, sugar, tea, some fruit. Um, and then the last ingredient was purified love. Hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, my God, how did that get through their legal department? This is so ridiculous. Also, this is a slightly caffeinated, bubbly drink. This this is more like an energy drink to me. And then just from there, just working too late combined with like going back and forth with a legal team was just like, you know what? I'm going to make mortal kombucha, finish it. We're going to blow people's heads off. Cause you know, kombucha is always exploding. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to make a rockstar energy style kombucha and it's going to be nothing like any other kombucha. There's going to be no love in it. And I just, while we're waiting for our next round of feedback from the legal team on this packaging design, um, bought the domain, bought the Instagram, was photoshopping up little jokey images. We originally had a flavor called Napalmogranate, <laughs> which was uh, pomegranate and cayenne, but it was like so spicy. And I actually like made tear gas, I swear, twice in my kitchen trying to make it. But um, I made that website and I got home and I started talking about it on social media and we had a few orders. And I remember thinking like, uh-oh, I need to go figure out how to make kombucha. I started this company. So from there, um, Boulder is also a, uh, a home brewing kind of beer mecca. So I went to our beer supply store and I told them I had a kombucha company and I needed to learn how to make kombucha. They looked at me like I was crazy, loaded me up with some jars and things like that and told me to get this book. And I just remember the first page of the book said kombucha takes three weeks to make. So I emailed the couple orders and I told them their kombucha would be ready in three weeks and um, from there, was making it in my home, then a few different shared commercial kitchens in and around Boulder, and now we are made out in Eagle, Colorado at a co-packer. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's fascinating. So you actually, yeah. you led with the graphics and the website <laughs> and the Instagram before you'd even fermented your first batch. Um, yeah, I mean, I totally, it was a complete joke. I just thought it was funny and, you know... I just thought it was hilarious. Um, and I come from that branding kind of world. Yeah. So that's the thing that I, I love to do. And I remember my husband, I think I originally was like, oh, we'll just like go find some other kombucha and put it in a bottle that's ours. And my husband was like, you can't do that. And I was mm -hmm. like, he was like, we should make this. And I was like, oh, kombucha? I don't know how to make kombucha. And that's, yeah. So, but so, so we, so... we definitely made it ourselves for 
a good couple of years. <laughs> so the, those first two years, or that starting with that first batch that you promised somebody in three weeks, I mean, it, it's it's often the case that new people new to this, you know, it's easy to over ferment and it tastes vinegary. Or were you yeah. were you relying on just luck, or did you did you hire? Uh, like somebody who knew what they were doing to be a partner who actually made it and especially when you went to scale up I mean it's not trivial to go from one or two gallons to you know the 50 barrels yeah uh ignorance is bliss um Mm -hmm. I think we were very lucky the first I well I followed the instructions in the book to a t um I think it's also very lucky we we could keep it very temperature controlled at the time of year that it was uh, Boulder's very dry, so I think that mold problems a lot of home brewers get. We probably weren't as prone to those. And then I, I, um, I kept the flavors very simple, um, and I think that was very. I think a lot of times, if when a home brewer will brew with things that are very sugary, that second fermentation can really turn it sour or explosive. And I was flavoring it with you know, ginger or herbs or dried herbs in the very beginning mm-hmm. um, or dry ginger. And I think that somehow magically kept it from being over vinegary because it wasn't, which was, which was nuts. <laughs> Cause okay. like, especially I like, I'm on some forums, like after that, I like joined some Facebook groups of homebrewers and I was like, man, I'm not having any of these problems. What am I, you know, it's a bit of a, a bit of luck and a bit of mm-hmm. just thinking about what could make something taste bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and that's... I, did, I followed. I, I had the big book of kombucha, which I suggest to anybody. And yeah, I mean, I just followed some of those recipes to a T in the very beginning as we were trying things out, and then I started tweaking them a little bit. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the that's the Bible, the Hannah Crumbs Big Book of Kombucha. Yeah. I, I've used it. I, I carry it in the resources on Booch News, and uh, definitely yeah, Hannah, I mean, Hannah's Hannah's got it down as far as with videos, and so that's great. Yeah. So, but, but from those early days, by the way, what what year were you talking about when this kicked off? I mean, how long ago was that? This was twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah. So three years ago. Three. Okay, and then what was the scale up then? So you had your first customers, you were doing it at home, uh, you got the commercial kitchen, and now you're in probably, a, sounds like a bigger facility. I mean, what were yeah, a couple, so, what were these sort of milestones in that? Yeah, so we were making it in our house for a couple months, um, and it just kept growing, and I kind of just had a spreadsheet where people could fill out a Google form and say they wanted it, and it was like on our website. And then I remember just thinking like, oh, I should put this in kegs and get it in some places down in, in Boulder. And then I saw a keg was like $100 and I was like, huh, okay. Like trying to figure out Google how that works. And think, I just remember thinking there was a commercial kitchen available with a lady who just did fermented foods. So she had sauerkraut. There was another company that did um, another kombucha company, just all fermented. So it was a very clean, clean, pristine kitchen with a lot of refrigerator space. And the rent was like $400. And I was like, if I can sell four kegs a month or, and plus these bottles, I'll be able to afford this kitchen. And just remember I would, so I would bring my bottles down to some of the local places in Boulder and ask them if they would want a keg. (laughs) And I finally like, you know, I checked off like, Oh, okay four places and I was like okay cool we can get the kitchen (laughs) and then so we were in that kitchen for a bit and then kind of serendipitously there's a local grocery store here 
called Lucky's that unfortunately is no longer, but they, they happened upon our bottles and they asked us if we would be in their three or four locations. And so then that commercial kitchen became a lot more affordable and then it became, and that was 2018. And then at the end of 2018, or I guess it was like August or September, uh, we got a message from Whole Foods that they wanted to put us into the Rocky Mountain region. And they weren't sure how many stores yet, though. And then it was, I believe, in November or December, we got the email with the store count, and it was like 34 stores, and that's when I had a complete panic because we were in a nice commercial kitchen, but it was way too small to be able to store enough product for Whole Foods. And that's when we moved to a bigger commercial kitchen. Um, that was like three times the price and that really freaked me out, but it worked out. And then at the end of 2019, going to 2020, we were going to go into a big conventional retailer around 70 stores. Um, and that's when the huge freak out happened because I remember looking at my ragtag crew and I think at that point we were probably in around 150 stores and thinking like, oh man, like, how are we going to double or triple this and fulfill an order and store it and ship it out and get it everywhere. And that's when I started at the end of 2019, trying to find a partner to help us make it. Um, and that's when we found um, the co-packer that we use out in Eagle County and they, they just make kombucha. Um, so they, and since we're kind of local, they worked with us to figure out exactly the same base. They actually were already using the same tea from their tea provider and a lot of the same sources. So a lot of it didn't change. It just kind of became a lot more efficient. So they're still making it with us and they actually make our hard kombucha now as well. Oh, okay. So yeah, so um, that's quite a a story. So when Whole Foods called, was that just serendipitous or had you been pitching them? So we, um, we were using a local tea supplier that a lot of the bigger kombucha companies were using and they were going in, they were launching a beverage. So a broker friend of mine said, Hey, can I bring in your product with this big company to show how they support local businesses? So they brought us in and that kind of started a whole foods conversation. And that was like in August. So that kind of speed tracked us and somehow they chose us. So it was pretty cool and very surprising. And we were not ready for it, but um, I just kind of said yes to everything at that point, real, not realizing the ramifications. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, so now you're in. Uh, I, I've looked on the map of where you. Unfortunately, you don't seem to have got any stores in the San Francisco Bay Area when I live, but it looks yeah. like you're in Southern California, Oregon, and the, the Western states, so to speak, uh, of Washington and Oregon. Um, What's your plans? I mean, are you, is your goal to become a national brand or are you sort of staying west of the Rockies? Or uh, We actually are now available in the Midwest and the East Coast. I think the only places that aren't, unfortunately, are Northern California, the majority of Texas, and then Florida and some of those border states over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really to be, we're focusing kind of westward right now. I'm from New Jersey, so... There's been a, my mom takes pictures when she buys kombucha that's not mine and sends them to me in this kind of Jewish guilt way. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's, a, that's definitely a goal. I know we, I just need her to stop buying other brands. I want her to buy mine. But um, yeah, the focus is that. And then as 
we're starting to launch our hard kombucha right now. It's only available in Colorado. So we're kind of starting to move west and pick states to launch that state by state to pair it with where our non-alcoholic kombucha is. Yeah. What, what was that decision to go into hard kombucha? Because it is an exploding part of the kombucha business. It's uh, it seems yeah. to have some, was that, was it sort of a, something that came naturally? <laughs> I mean, more kind of, but no, yeah. Uh, we, I always felt like the brand is kind of with this whole aggressive, different kind of vibe was perfect for alcohol. Um, and then where we are in Colorado and all just that home brew, there's so many different breweries, you know, micro breweries kind of launching seltzers. And it was like, oh, we should launch a hard kombucha. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it is such a growing category. So that was, uh, we actually officially launched it the first time on March 10th of 2020, which is possibly the worst day to launch anything. Cause I think the world shut down like three days later. Um, and the partner that we were making the alcohol with actually their breweries now no longer. So we had to like kind of scramble to find a new brewery, everything that's cause gone wrong with a product launch basically for a first year, for the first year went wrong, but it just seemed like a really natural fit with the tone of the brand. It didn't, you know, just being able to kind of keep it in this fun light world. So we're doing that, but now we have pretty solid production and it's available in Colorado and it's yeah. organic and has all the same, you know, attributes as our regular kombucha, which is really cool. Yeah. So I want to circle back now because one of the main things I wanted to get the story on the backstory, but you kind of gave a hint about it when you launched, you did, you said you were a graphic designer, you'd been in advertising. And I think one thing that stands out and I, I spend a lot of my time online, of course, uh, I don't have the resources to travel the country and actually taste kombucha in all the four corners of the country or around the globe. But online, your Instagram especially, and even more your website, stand out because they're so humorous. You've got the the bottles and cans sort of in many uh, sort of humorous sports poses, you know, and, and you've got brands, uh, you know, which, uh, what have you got? You've got the Marge Simpson uh, brand with a margarita and a non-alcoholic margarita. So was it your background as a graphic designer that led to this very unusual uh, differentiation you've got with the bottles and cans in sports poses and primary colors? And it, it's definitely something that's unique, I think, compared to the average kind of Yogini kombucha brand that's out there. Yeah, so I, I worked as a creative director, copywriter side, so a lot of the language and the tone is definitely me, and then we worked with some really great graphic designers and designers to kind of bring the world to life, but I, I mean, I worked on so many junk food brands, like Gogurt, although they're delicious, uh, fruit roll-ups, Gushers, fruit, different fruit snacks, I worked on beer, and I worked on a lot of like big brand products when I was uh, working in advertising. And they just have so much fun. And that was what I wanted to bring this world to. You know, I've, I've worked on Sunny D. You know, that was a fun brand. And I just wanted to create a create a world in health that felt more like Skittles, I guess. And that's where everything kind of comes from. Um, because I found as I was working on more and more organic and natural brands, they became heavy and so serious that you kind of had like this um, guilt when you were eating them, like, or like, oh, am I doing enough? And I just wanted this to be a great product that had all the check boxes of something that was natural and organic and good for the planet, 
but that you could just have an absolute delicious time enjoying. Yeah, yeah. That definitely comes across in, in visual uh, with the, and, and unfortunately, because you don't distribute in Northern California, I haven't had a chance to taste your drink yet. But oh, we got to send you some. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the consumer, I mean, do you have a sense then? Have you done either formal or informal consumer? I mean, you must have heard from people. Who, do they respond well to that? Uh, like you say, the non-guilt-inducing uh, fun <laughs> aspect of kombucha because it is something that I think you're the leaders in others may be definitely lean towards that a little bit but um, not not as not as uh, all in as you guys are well, how are the consumers responding yeah so we we don't we have some real data and then a lot of anecdotal uh, we definitely all, we skew more mail than probably other kombucha companies in terms of our fans and drinkers, which is definitely cool and interesting. And we probably skew a little bit younger than others, but, and we've had really great success actually on the East coast and the Midwest, where I think maybe the, the consumer is looking for something a little more closer to what can be found in a conventional retailer than just your organic, you know, independent source. So it, it has been success. And then in the same stores, just year over year, we're up, almost 200% in just turn. So I would say that it's probably working. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it seems like it's going pretty well. And it just seems like we like to think also and what we found with some of the data we've been finding is that people who are grabbing us aren't necessarily your, you know, kombucha hardcore consumers. They're more kombucha curious. And maybe they would have used to have grabbed a cold brew or a, mat- a matcha. And now they kind of see us as, not a scary hippie drink to say and they're like oh maybe i'll try this and then our flavors are definitely much more palatable in your like to look at and look like kind of figure out what they are because you know like we'll just do a watermelon mint not like a lavender ashwagandha lion's mane something or other right you know so it's like you know what it is it's definitely i used to walk the aisles when we used to make it there was a Walmart next door to one of our production facilities, and I would walk to juice aisles just trying to figure out what flavors are just really easy to understand and what am I seeing a lot of in order to figure out what flavors we were going to make. And then, of course, we did make them, you know, completely organic and non-GMO. And then um, I also, the other big thing was to, so that we could kind of keep the sugar low, I really wanted to deep up the color of all of them because I just remembered some class I took in, like, second grade, um, was like your visual visual has like a sensation to taste. So if something is really brightly colored, it's meant can taste sweeter. So for the margarita one, we do turn it blue with blue algae. Shell flower, we turn it purple with butterfly pea flower. And so that we can keep them a little bit on the lighter side, but on sugar. But really have them have this pop of color and fun. That's one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you, you've hit on something that as the kombucha, you know, GT Dave started selling 25 years ago and, and you know, it's become, uh, it's still though only, what is it, 10 or 15 percent of the U.S. population has tried it. So you've got yeah. the other 85 percent who are curious, as you say, wouldn't necessarily go for the hippie brands that, uh, you know, have been the roots of kombucha. And um, as it, as it 
but you're still bringing something that's good for them, low sugar and an alternative to the to the sodas and Gatorades that they might go for uh, otherwise. Yeah, and so that's what people, like we, we are completely, you know, we're made in 20-gallon um, batches, real fermented, like real, real raw kombucha um, with all the probiotics, like we get the profiles tested in there. You know, so it's real, real, real made, real kombucha. And we just try not to talk about that as much because our consumer just wants something healthy, but we just don't want to like overlay that. But it's still as you dive deeper into our website if you want to like find out how many probiotics are in this. But we feel like the word kombucha should give people that without having to like throw it over their head. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it, it's been great talking with you today, Becca, and, and good luck. Uh, you know, you are a woman-owned company. You've come a long way in three years, and I can only imagine the next three years are going to be quite a quite a, a ride for you as you continue to grow. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.